Hey everyone, welcome to Dentistry Unmasked. I'm Dr. Pam Maragliano Muniz, Chief Editor for Dental Economics, and with me every single week, as always. Turns out I'm David Rice, Dentistry IQ Chief Editor. We're like two peas in a pod, Pam. Good to see you. It's great to see you. I know. I feel like we live parallel lives. And I know that this is funny. Endeavor created a partnership with the Very Dental Podcast, and we haven't had a chance to sit down with Dr. Alan Mead until right now. And I'm so happy to be able to do that. Alan, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. You're like the god of podcasts, I feel. So this is kind of epic for us. You know what's great about podcasting? What's great about my podcast is that it started a long time ago. That's what's great about it. It's very difficult to, to get a podcast audience now. And so what we didn't realize at the time was we, we just started at a time where it wasn't so hard to get a podcast audience because there just weren't very many people in the space. So yeah, it's, you know, my best advice to anyone wanting to start a podcast is get a time machine. I think. <laughs> Superman yeah, your way, fly backwards. Kinda, all the kinda, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how the physics work on that, but if you can fly counterclockwise really fast, you can probably do it. Yeah. Superman did. So there, that's Hot a 70s, time machine that's did a it 70s too. reference too. There's a lot of people listening to this that don't have any idea what we're talking about. I'm sure. True. We're that's showing possible. our age. Yeah, I know. I do that every day. So you started a podcast before even podcasts were something that everyone was listening to all the time. How did you have that forethought to do that? It's a, it's a, an interesting question. I was, I started listening to podcasts in 2006. I remember very vividly because one of the first podcasts I listened to, I think it's still going, it's called Mugglecast. And it was basically a bunch of high school kids that did a Harry Potter podcast and the sixth book had just come out um and when i when i was listening to it and so it was this round table they had the so they had the technology where they could have multiple people from multiple places on earth doing it was kind of amazing and they they would just talk about harry potter stuff and i was i was enthralled you know basically i've always got either a a, a 40 minute one-way drive where i'm feeding horses or mowing the lawn or or i've always got something that i'd like to be taking time off with in my head, you know, so I'm always listening to something. And so in 2006, I realized I could do that. I was using a, um, I was using an MP3 player. So you'd have to download it off your computer and stuff like that. And of course we've come a long ways with that, but I realized there wasn't very much dental content at all. There was, there was one podcast early on. It was the AGD podcast done by really? a guy by the name of Wes Blakesley. Yeah. And it's pretty good, actually. It's pretty good. It was pretty good even then, honestly, um, considering how technology's come a long ways to make it. So you can sound pretty good even if you are a, a fly-by-night operation. But but he sounded pretty good. But there just wasn't a ton of content. And so I decided uh, I I had actually, I picked Jason Lipscomb's brain on a presentation I had to give on social media. God, back in, I don't know, 2011 or something like that. It was a, it was a whole different animal then. Um, and he, he had written a book on it. And so he gave me a bunch of information and actually gave me, I, I, I essentially stole half of his lecture to do the, and so we became friends that way. And, uh, I kept bugging him. I said, we should do this because there's just not very much content out there. And so we, we kind of decided we wanted to, to start a podcast that, uh, that we would want to listen to. And so that's where like the, the early aspect was, we always had a round table. We always had a, we always had an interview guest. We changed the format over the years, but so yeah, it was 2014, June 2014 is when we started. And and that seems 
it seems like a long time ago and it also seems like not that long time ago you know it's like it's it's in some ways it does in some ways it doesn't so yeah that's that's i started it because i wanted to make a podcast that i would want to listen to that seems like a good plan yeah that's a great plan and i think that you know some people you know when you're like oh well i have a question people say ask it because oftentimes other people have the same question so i think that goes with education and what you want to learn and talk and commiserate about as well so all right. You guys aren't in the same podcast anymore, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you guys decided to kind of part ways. Um, I would imagine that having a podcast for as long as you have, as successful mm-hmm. as it is, and the commitment that's involved is really hard for two people to do all the time. So I'm just asking more so so I don't screw things up with David. How do we keep this going for the long term have any advice for us what's interesting is that if you remember correctly okay so we had the podcast for a long time and then we started a facebook group i think we started facebook group in 2016 2017 and the facebook group became its whole own thing like and fast one of the regrets except it's not really a regret because it it became huge we were, we were, I originally thought, okay, this is going to be a Facebook group for listeners of the podcast. Well, clearly, I mean, that's yeah. 30 some thousand people and there's a lot more people than listen to the podcast in the, in the dental hacks nation, which is now the dental disrupt nation. So he, he was, he's always been kind of the social media guy. And I was once, once I keyed in, I was sort of the podcast guy. So when we split, we sort of split those two things. Cause I was kind of the podcast guy and he was kind of the Facebook group guy. So that was, uh, it sort of became two different things. I, I would love to have a Facebook group for very dental as big as the the dental hacks nation and dental disrupt nation was and is but in my very dental facebook group i i make people prove that they listen to the show so it's a lot smaller it was the, the original intent was that was what it was going to be but that's that's not what it ended up being so the dental hacks nation was um was a garbage fire, a constant garbage fire. It was a blast, but it was nuts. You know, it was like, and we, we intended for it to not be heavily moderated. And so it, it was kind of a garbage fire. That was one of the reasons that we ended up splitting away. I just, I just had enough of the Facebook stuff. And, and uh, so, but I mean, in some way, if I was giving advice, know what you want to do and stick with that focus maybe. Cause like, cause clearly the dental disrupt nation is still doing just fine for Jason and the podcast is still going strong too. It's just, we had kind of different interests there. So I would, I would say that probably had a lot to do with it. That's great. And we're breaking up with me. <laughs> oh no, 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 never. Are you kidding me? Never. It's, it's officially out there. David will break up with me someday. We'll, we'll just throw it out there. All right. So, okay. You mentioned something that's really interesting and that's social media and what's going on (laughs) right now in social media. You know, you mentioned these Facebook groups and they are a dumpster fire. I mean, it's pretty crazy how some of them can be that way. And I'll admit like, there's just some, I can't even look away from because they're just so crazy. And there's a dentist right now that's kind of in the, you know, in the heat of it with, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe questionable practices, certainly not the way I would approach things. A lot of ways, a lot of people wouldn't approach things that way um, when it comes to the actual care itself, but also discussing that type of care with patients. And it's funny because I can't help but think about how many dentists are like up in arms about this and wanting the board to like get involved and do all of these things. 
Meanwhile, I'm like, this guy's probably home, like eating dinner with his family, not giving any of us a thought in the world. And that made me wonder, like, what's your guys take on this? And do you think the court of public opinion will actually result in an outcome with the board? Or you do think they'll always kind of, you know, the board will just kind of let this guy keep doing what he's doing? I have thoughts, but I want David. I want to hear David weigh in first. Sure. So, uh, you know, in a, in a past life, I sat on said boards for about a decade. And here's here's my thought. No, the court of public opinion will have zero impact on what the board never, ever does mm-hmm. to rein in, um, you know, not just said dentists, but other dentists who operate in a parallel universe. I think, unfortunately, we need to police ourselves better. We do a very bad job at that. Um, you know, that, that what's that thing we signed when we crossed the stage that said something about doing no harm. It would be really nice if we, as a profession lived up to that document, but we don't. So first order business for me is, um, no, I think, um, the court of public opinion is great for us. Maybe some patients will learn some things, but it'll have zero impact. I agree. Um, I would, I, what, what makes me laugh about this particular situation is whatever is being talked about here in mid September, 2023 is not new. It's not new. It's a true story. Everything, everything that's being brought up. And of course we're sort of being dodgy about saying, saying what we're talking about, but the bottom line is that, um, okay. So the code of ethics was written long before uh, social media existed. So there's that, um, I don't know how that how you could take a code of social media into account um and the reality is is there's people that have much bigger careers than than dentists ever will that are literally influencers is what they do for a living which blows my mind it's kind of it seems ridiculous to me but but in any case you don't have to have any kind of qualification to be an influencer all you have to do is have followers and if you have enough of them you can throw your weight around that's essentially how it works um the other thing that i think that that jumps out at me is that social media shows this person and anyone who's good at using it, it shows their authenticity. Uh, Funniest thing is that influencers are all about being authentic. And if you can fake that, you got it made, right? Like the the whole concept of authenticity to me makes me laugh. I will say this, he's authentic as hell. He's he's really, he he shows exactly who he is all the time. So if anyone is surprised by that, that's on them because he shows like every single, okay, so there's a, a video, like there's a ton of videos out there just ripping on this guy now, but there's been a ton of videos. So it's uh, nothing new again, but they're, they're pulling video from his own TikTok and Instagram and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, so you pull it off his account. You think he's worried about that getting out? Because how can he be? It's been there forever. This is all just new. So as David said, the board has had access to everything and they've done nothing. I don't know what the, what the, the board's responsibility is on this level. I mean, honestly, he's, he's been, I don't, I agree. I think nothing's going to happen, but more than that, um, he's using social media very effectively. You couldn't argue Mm. that I would. And I would say that he's reaching a population with his social media presence that, that most dentists, conventional dentists are not looking for, are not trying to reach. Maybe we should be, I don't know, but, but I think that's what we're talking about here. I think, I think that, um, I think that he's probably, as Pam said, I think he's not particularly worried. <laughs> and, no, and he shouldn't be. I don't think he is. Now, another thing I think is interesting is you talk about authenticity. And I do think that the more yourself you are with patients, I'm not saying being unprofessional, but being who you are, mm-hmm. you're going to attract patients that communicate in a similar 
format as you, unless you're just one of those master motivational interviewers that can work with every personality type, which I think many of us know how to manage most personality types. But if you're that unapologetic about who you are, you attract people like that. And so, or people that communicate in a similar style. So what we consider berating to a patient or something that we would never say to a patient, you know, namely like things you can do with your teeth and things that, you know, um, you know, mouths you have to kiss with that, you know, with those teeth or whatever. Um, are those people that just communicate in that fashion? You know, is he just attracting those people or I don't know. Like, is that, you know, I don't know. I, I, I try to see both sides of it. I obviously don't necessarily agree with it. Um, I don't agree with it at all. And a lot of the treatment modalities, I certainly don't agree with, but I, I have to wonder who are these people that, I mean, I've never seen a pack of people defend people, a, a person like they do on social media for him. Mm-hmm. I have a question to that question. And, and maybe, maybe you guys are really lucky and you haven't had people in your community who um, are who we're talking about. We we've had we have a couple. Well, we had a couple. We now have maybe one. But one of those guys, uh, twenty five years committing insurance fraud all day every day, appeared very authentic. Yeah. But his on t- his authenticity was I'm a liar. Mm-hmm. So if if he was living his best liar self, then sure he's authentic. But his patients were exactly the opposite of who you just said, Pam. He was a master of targeting. Um, naive people, really super sweet, gullible people that he could push around. And I remember, so we were one of the dozen or so practices that um, once he finally was getting under the gun and it was the insurance companies who finally took him down was not dentistry. Mm -hmm. The insurance companies got him for two decades of, you know, saying he did dentistry that he did, that he didn't, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So imagine a couple hundred people came through our practice who literally said, but do you actually think he did anything wrong? And I was shocked because I think to your point, all these people that come to somebody's defense, maybe they really love them, or maybe they're just trying to rationalize that I really didn't get taken advantage of. Did I, I don't know. I'm curious totally, what you guys see. Totally. It's, it's a, uh, no one likes to think that, uh, that they've chosen poorly, you know what yes. I mean? Like, like no one wants to choose. Like, like I have a, oh, this is so funny. This is a classic. I have an older car in, you know, I didn't w- the transmission went out of it and it was really expensive to fix older. I really like the car. It's old. You know, I, I could have gotten a new car, but you know, and I, I didn't really want to look for one. This one's kind of, so I ended up sinking a bunch of money into a new transmission for this car, which is fine. But I have questions now, like there's still some stuff going on with it, but I got to I got to I got to ride that garbage truck all the way to the dump now, you know, like, like after, after sinking that much money into it, I'm like, there's no way I made the wrong decision here. Right. Like, and of course, Car deal, car car service guys are like, oh no, it'll be great. And then as soon as it's done, it was it was my dumb mistake, not our dumb mistake. It was my dumb mistake. If that's the case, the case. So of course I'm gonna I'm gonna try and rationalize <laughs> my choice all the way. Like it was because because you know a lot of people have a lot of sunk costs. A lot of people would be embarrassed to find out that they let someone do something to them like this. That that perhaps the rest of the um, I, I I mean I don't know exactly, but but the bottom line, everyone wants to think that. And the other thing is, is everyone knows a story of of someone who bought the practice of a doc that everyone loved, and and you look at the X rays and it's and it's a nightmare. But yeah. he, but he never hurt anyone. Like his treatment didn't hurt, and they and he was a nice guy, and they all loved him. He might not have been a very great dentist, he might not be able to see very well, that sort of thing. But bottom <laughs> line, everyone knows a story like that. 
And yeah. so on some level, this isn't that much different than that. This is just, this is just a story of a large personality that, that's using social media to, to great effect, basically. So I what do you do? What yeah. do you, I'm, I'm curious, what do you guys do when that patient walks into your practice and you're like, oh my, what's the conversation, Pam? What do you, I like to break out objective things. So yeah. I like photos. I like x-rays. I like, you know, and so what I do, it, it's usually these, uh, these conversations take place in the dental hygiene room where I have like a big old TV right in front of the patient and I show them what I see, you know, and I show them, you know, hopefully somewhere there's a crown margin that looks nice. And I'm like, you see how that's nice and smooth. Well, see that, you know, we usually try to start with, you know, this is what a healthy tooth looks like. This is what a great crown margin looks like. This is what a, you know, proper bonding looks like. I mean, whatever it is, and then show them how theirs deviates from normal. So I don't, I mean, I would never, I and mean, that's the funny part is I wouldn't attack another dentist's work. And I usually say, you know, this crown isn't sealing the tooth the way it once had. Probably I would never be like this crown never fit. It was garbage. I would never say that. Um, but I usually say, you know, as we all know, things don't last forever and this isn't sealing the tooth as well as it, as it probably was back in the day. And here we are, you know, or sometimes I don't have an explanation. I just say, this is, this is what I see, you know, and I, I really try to keep it objective and, um, you know, Oftentimes, I feel like patients don't even like to disparage their old dentist. They don't generally like to throw them under the bus. Sometimes they don't even want to give me their name and I'm pretty fine with it. True. I would say that, uh, so I would not want to be judged on my worst day. There's no doubt about that. So on some level, you kind of have to look at it that way. But but um, it depends on how the patient got to you. In some cases, if the patient, sometimes the patient knows there's something going on. And so- yeah. That objective honesty is pretty important. I think, you know, you let them know what you see. Sure. That I would say that's, that's again, I, I pretty much do what Pam does, but in those cases, a lot of times the patients may realize there's something going on. And so I don't, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty honest with, with most people when I see not, not that this doctor did this poorly, but just what I'm seeing. And, and typically they can let you know how they're feeling about that. And they, they often do, <laughs> you kind of hear about it. And, and I don't know, it's, it's weird. And it happens more often than it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens more often than I'd like to believe. But I also like how many patients have left my office feeling the same way. I just don't get, I will say this. I'm, I would want someone if, if one of my patients ended up in their office and they were seeing that stuff, I kind of want to know that I'd want to hear about it. Um, maybe some wouldn't, but I would, you know? Uh, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a cagey. It's, it's, you got to be careful about all that. What, what do you think, David? You, you're, you, you obviously have seen this because you say you've got some people in your community where they'd show up. What, how do you handle it? Okay. So I got, can I get a little aggressive? Sure. So we have, <laughs> yeah. Pam and I have laid back like, like, all right. Nice. I, I will say this. If you are any dentist who's coming to the table with your very best effort, whether that gives uh, an A plus result or a C minus result, but you're really a decent human trying to do your best job, then I'm all in on you. But we have several people in our area, sorry, Buffalo, New York, um, who are not. I mean, they are, they have built practices on being bad people. So for them, I call them out every day. I've, in, in fact, I, that's where like the hair in my neck gets up on end. And for me, my duty is to protect the public. So I try to, um, the, I, I try first. So the first thing I do is I call them. Some of them, I still call some of them. Like I've called you a hundred times. I've got no results. So at this point, I'm just telling the patient, 
you need to do something about this. This is bad. But I, but typically I always start off giving everyone, even the bad apples, the benefit of the doubt and saying, Hey, I've got, um, I've got Alan in my chair and, you know, I'm looking at the treatment plan and I'm looking at the intro images and I can clearly sleep, see you've literally, um, flipped them, mirrored them, rotated them, and you've diagnosed the same tooth and told him he needs four oh teeth. Oh my God. That's Kid, something. I've not heard that one before. That's interesting. Kid, Right down the street, kid you not. So I call and to set Dennis and say, Alan's in my chair. This is what I see. I'm about to go back in there. What would you like me to say to Alan? <laughs> and I just stopped talking. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to make that call two or three times. And after that, I am going to tell you as a patient, report this dentist to the board. You don't want, you know, like you want to hate me as a dentist, go for it. But that's my job. Okay, you know, so when since that person's on the board, apple. since you've been on the board. Yeah, I've not been on the board. I have some. I have limited experience uh, with with helping board stuff, and I'll tell you about that in a second. But and you literally said earlier in this conversation that stuff like this just never gets resolved. When those people come in front of you, what happens? So interesting. Back to that authenticity. What my experience is, none those people are authentic liars because when they get in front of the board. So picture, even when I'm on the board, like my job is still to protect you as a dentist. I'm not here to judge you and say you're a horrible person. I'm just here to say, Hey, we got to figure this out. And here's what we objectively see. And here's what we think and do with it, what you will doc. Those couple docs in our neighborhood who come in a half a dozen times a year, they're coming in on the defensive. And it usually is, um, you don't like me because I'm so successful. I'm so this, I'm so that. And I'm like, okay, so we're volunteering. And if you don't want our help, I'll go home. I don't, I don't, need, I don't need to be here for you. And, but what I think is that at least, at least what that experience does is it says, we know, we see you. So maybe we're not impactful in removing people from the profession, which I think would be easier than we make it out to be. Just drop them from organized dentistry and let the lawyers have their way. They'll know what to do if they're thrown out of organized dentistry. Um, so are you talking about, so you were on the dental board in New York or were you on peer review of, of, of like the ADA or something? I was on for our district, a board that said like, Hey, this stuff went down in your practice and Got let's it. take a look at it and see what we do. Got it. So this isn't yeah. the state, this isn't the state board. This is, this is a peer review thing. Which yeah. Is, thank God. It's no. Definitely a different animal. This is definitely for, a different animal. Okay. For sure. But yeah, to, to, uh, to our point earlier, like there's, there's no action that's going to happen from yeah. it really. Yeah. Um, so but I, I, sat, think I sat on the committee, I sat on the committee for Michigan and it was, uh, it was for people who it was very specialized problem, children in dentistry and dental teams. It's, it's, it's people with drugs and alcohol problems. Yeah. And what would happen is a lot of times these people would be brought in and they were still in denial that they had a problem. Mm. And we were there to help. Like you said, we were there to kind of help. And you always knew who was, I will say this as, as I went along trying to help people, people were more and more likely to lawyer up and say, I don't have a problem. You're the problem. And, and so the story is you can't help someone like that. But what I found interesting is even when we ended up referring people to the board, which happened some, not very often, but it happened some, there's some people that never even got a chance to sit in front of us. They got reported directly to the board. You know what the board did? Nothing. They actually, that's not true. They referred them for, for uh, treatment. So uh, what's really funny, okay. if you're hearing this and you know, someone who's got drug or alcohol problems, you shouldn't feel too bad about calling anyone because they do not, unless this is someone who, who is, has uh, been in the news, <laughs> they're going to get referred 
for an evaluation for treatment. You know, so the story is you have to be, and there are people that get referred for treatment and said, yes, you need treatment. They don't do it. And they still don't lose it. So the bottom line, I shouldn't, I shouldn't even say that, but the bottom line is that even the state boards, not super effective on, on removing people. Like you would think that, oh, if you're in front of the board and you messed up, you're in deep trouble. You're not really. And I'm no. not saying that that's a good or bad thing, but I'm just saying that um, I would argue that if the person we were talking about earlier has been in front of the board before, they have been unable or unwilling to do anything. And I suspect he probably has. I suspect he probably has with some of this stuff, whether it's it's the, you know, the actual dentistry or... Yeah the the way he treats people you know like because like i said it's not hard to get evidence on the guy they're 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 right on his social media all of it so uh, i don't know that the boards are very effective at this and like you said i i think as as a profession we're supposed to be self-policing we're supposed to but yet none of us are willing to say okay i will take i will be the guy that says you shouldn't practice because you're terrible i'll be that guy no one wants that job no one wants that job And, and honestly it's too easy to sue anyone for anything we haven't mentioned anyone's name here. Let's just say on this conversation for that reason, right? It's one of those things where, so I, we're not good at self-policing. I think it's a problem for us. And I, I don't know what the answer is. It's been, I mean, I've been doing this for 20, 26 years and it's always been a weird thing. What do you do with someone who's consistently doing a poor job? And it's one thing to send them for CE or, you know, what have you. It's another thing when they kind of, like you said, they're doing it. They know they're doing it. They don't care, you know? Yeah. I still think we, we're pretty ineffective at doing all that stuff. Wow. So we're really the problem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. All roads lead to Taylor Swift. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Wow. All we right. Well, we're not big on answers here either. That's, that's the other thing. I don't know what to do about it. I really don't. Like what what some people are doing about it is, is uh, you know, creating YouTube videos that get a lot of uh, got, get a lot of clicks. But it's not nothing's going to happen from that. That's the the thing is in another couple of years they'll look at those videos again and get mad about it again too. That's what's going to happen, I think. Well, I guess then what we could do is if somebody feels empowered to want to make a difference. You know, I know this is not the same, but I remember being on the promotions committee um, at Tufts, and I remember being on the committee that would decide if, say, somebody who had. Um, you know, academic issues or sometimes um, behavioral issues or whatever it was, we would be, I was part of this committee that would decide if they would carry on as a dental student. And I feel like inherently, like you just want to cheer everybody on. And I think that that's probably what we want to do as dentists. But there are times when if you actually take a step back, it's more humane to just stop Mm -hmm. and not let them continue on. And so maybe maybe we've done some good here and maybe somebody will want to participate in their state board or want to volunteer their time for peer review and really try to make this world a better place. You know, obviously everybody has different reasons for wanting to be on these different committees and wanting to be active in these roles, but maybe somebody out there will be like I'll be that guy. I want to protect my community and I'm willing to stand up and say this person or, you know, I'm not talking about this one individual. I'm just saying in general, you know, this person should not have a license and I'm willing to stand up and and say it. I think, you know, for me, sometimes the win is in the fight. We might not get bad dentists or dentists entirely out of the profession, but when we're willing to stand up for what's right, I feel like that's a win. And when we get a, a mass of people willing to stand up for what's right, that's a massive one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a philosophical old soul. Pam, I wish we could do this for another five hours because we could we could unsolve all life's issues here forever. 
we could we could we could leave people with even more questions than they came in with but Alan, every time we spend time with you, I know it's always a treat. So thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for hanging out with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Clearly, Alan, everybody knows him. But if you're not listening to the Very Dental Podcast and you're not listening to great people like Alan, make sure you do it. And we'll see you next week here on Dentistry Unmasked. Thank you, everyone, for watching or listening to the show this week. And thanks to our guests and sponsors on this episode. Please check out our social media at Dr. Pamela underscore Maragliano and at Dental Economics Official. Or you can check me out at Ignite DDS or at Dr. David Rice. And go to dentaleconomics.com to receive dental economics. You can choose to receive DE in print or digitally, and you can also get the details of our Principles of Practice Management Conference on our website. If you have topics or guests or anything you'd like to talk about on the show, send us an email to dentistryunmaskedpodcast at gmail.com, and we will do our very best to make it happen. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.